Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The NFL regular season grows closer. College football's regular season grows even closer yet. Games are nigh in college football. Gambling kicks up again come Saturday night and in the daytime. So the degenerates are rising from their caves, getting excited. The New York Yankees may never lose another baseball game again in Major League Baseball, but we have Survivor slash Big Brother slash other reality television program wording being used in college football, a word that's been getting thrown around for the past several weeks. So much. So this past week, you would swear that we use this word in our everyday vernacular, the word Alliance. The only time I've heard the word Alliance used is when you're watching survivor, when you're watching big brother, when you're watching these reality shows, where the contestants have to match with others in order to survive on the show. No pun intended. That's when you make alliances. You're trying to win this survivor game. I need to see who's going to be on my side. So the tribe doesn't speak to me. Shout out to all those OG survivor fans. That show's still on TV, by the way. I'm not sure if you know, but some of these shows that were big when I was in say junior high, still on television. I couldn't tell you who's won the last 15 American idols, but they still keep rolling out those singers every year. God bless them. Survivor, they're going all over the world, still trying to make things happen. God bless them for still getting those checks because I ain't watching them anymore. America's Got Talent, The Voice, all those singing shows. They're still rolling those guys out there. God bless them for bringing in the checks, getting the views, etc. Alliance in college football. After the SEC really planted its flag and made it official that Texas and Oklahoma were on its way, we wondered, college sports fans wondered what the other Power Five conferences would do. What's going to happen with the Big 12 losing two of its biggest schools? What's going to happen to the other three conferences? Should they bring other schools in? Should they try to make a bigger conference, if you will, to combat the SEC? The answer we got was an alliance where the three commissioners notice. I only said three from the ACC, Jim Phillips from the big 10, Kevin Warren and new PAC 12 commissioner, George Klyovkov got on a zoom meeting and addressed the college media and world saying, we are basically making a gentleman's agreement that our three conferences will look out for each other. We obviously have all the right wordings in mind. And by all the right wordings, I mean education, the non-football sports, et cetera. That language that always gets thrown out whenever presidents talk amongst themselves, when we all know that the real answer is money. It has nothing to do with the education 
and how you're going to have your classes and the importance of that sort of thing. The money's the bottom line, but they said all the right things. We looked each other in the eye, had a gentleman's agreement, shook hands, and said we're in this together. Now, people in the media asked, well, there's no paperwork for this, contracts, anything of the like to get this in writing? We said, nope, we're good. Now, the question remains if, say, the SEC comes a calling for USC, Clemson, Ohio State, are we really led to believe that the gentleman's handshake and the looking in the eye is going to be enough for those conferences to keep their best teams within the conference? We know how well handshakes and eye contact have worked in the past in history when it comes to betrayals and traitors and things of those lines. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But we had those three conferences say, hey, let's figure this thing out. Let's make sure this doesn't get out of hand. Good luck to the Big 12. We see y'all, SEC. And we're going to make sure that we keep this boat floating straight and you can't really get things too much out of hand, more out of hand than they've already gotten. Let's keep things the way they are now and not get too carried away. I thought the whole thing was interesting. I know a lot of people are excited. I'm sure you are as well for some old rivalries to get renewed that have been lost in lore because of money and greed and scheduling, etc. We're going to get to see some exciting matchups. But the question remains if this was the right answer or an answer at all to what the SEC did bringing in its two teams, planting its flag in college football and basically saying, this all goes through us, y'all. You're either with us or you're not with us. Three conferences said they're not. We'll see if that matters, if at all, and when it will matter because there really wasn't a timeline with this. Is it going to coincide with the college football playoff potential expansion come 2024, 2025, 2026, whenever it's going to be? How quickly can this move? We saw how quickly games can be rescheduled, Al, just this past year. This nonsense where games are getting scheduled seven, eight years down the road, big news stories like these teams will have a home and home with each other. When? 2031. What the hell do I care about that for now in 2021? Then you come to find out these schools were able to just move things around if a team had a forfeit or cancel. Bing, bang, boom, we're on a plane, we're on a bus, we'll play tomorrow. We'll play anywhere, doesn't matter to us. Figure out the money later, we just want to play. Well, if it's that damn easy, what the hell are we doing scheduling games 10 years out? That's an argument for another day. The word alliance, though, for you, Al, in college football, what did you feel about it? How is this impacting you as a college football fan, if at all? Well, number one, greetings to all our fans and friends. Welcome back to the best sports podcast on the planet, with the big man and yours truly. Uh, I, I Was Bob Bowlesby's phone not working? Was, his <laughs> un, was he not Zoomable? Is it Oklahoma and Texas are gone, so you're out of the mix? You're out of the landscape. You don't exist anymore. Now remember, Oklahoma and Texas are still in the Big 12 and will be for, was it two more years, supposedly? Two to three, yeah. So are they simply wiped from planet Earth? Are they out there all by themselves in a separate solar system? They're just going to be left 
you know, literally the house on the side of the road playing each other and nobody else uh, and occasionally get to play SEC rivals. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. If this is us against them, what did you have against the Big 12 by not including them? Because they didn't chase Oklahoma and Texas out. Oklahoma and Texas left them. So what I don't understand is why aren't we working to get a couple teams back into the Big 12 to keep it the Big 12 and have this alleged alliance. Remember, it was the College Bowl Alliance years ago. That's the way it was originally named. I believe it was originally named the Bowl Alliance when we were putting the quasi uh, two-game championship or one-game championship together, the Bowl Alliance. Uh, so now we have an alliance, supposedly amongst conference, three conferences with nothing put in pen to paper with this group of games in the future against each other, you know, rekindling, you know, rivalries. Notre Dame will be in the mix as always good for them because they'll get to have all the benefits of a conference schedule without being in a conference because they don't like to share. So they'll play a ton of ACC games against good teams and they'll play a bunch of uh, other conference games from amongst the quote alliance close quote, uh, which will be big matchups. But what exactly here did we accomplish with nothing in writing, no contract, nothing that can be breached or perish the thought, taken to court over a breach of the requirements of the agreement amongst the conferences? So you're basically, as far as I'm concerned, still free to do whatever the hell you want. Just like Oklahoma and Texas, even though they were bound by their agreements with the Big 12, did whatever the hell they wanted and decided we're leaving. So I understand the, the goal here, the quasi-goal, is to protect their conferences from, I guess, any more poaching. Would they want to poach more? I mean, does the SEC want to become a 2014 conference? A 32-team conference? You know, all the teams in the SEC? Uh, it, it just, to me, it was reactionary. And without any kind of set parameters, some kind of notion of here is what the scenario is, and it is in writing, and can be compelled to be complied with by the parties to be charged. To me, it's just like, you know, okay, here's what we're going to do. Let's shake on it. That doesn't run to a hill of beans in today's world. And it's actually been a long time in anybody's world since that amounted to anything. Handshakes don't mean anything anymore. It's the old reports time for handshakes, Al. The spit on the hand, or you the, get a the, little that, blood that, going. That, that's my day. Yeah. That's my day. You have my word. Let's shake on it. We have a deal. Not so fast, my friend. We need receipts at the new report level. We need says emails. Coach, we need Coach Corso. I want a paper trail. I want an email chain. That's right. I want a all parties on a Zoom recorded so it can be replayed. To me, this just it's nonsensical. You know, it's three conferences saying, okay, let's come up with something. Let's come up with something quick. I think it's haphazard. 
I think it's amateurish. I, I don't necessarily need it. Most of the games the teams play are within the conference anyway. So how many games are we talking about a year? A game or two a year? Where they go outside a conference and play each other? They needed all this to have that? To me, this was more a goal by these three conferences to save face and try and show the SEC, okay, you think you're going to come in and take everybody and leave us out there holding the bag? Well, look at us now. The three remaining conferences of the Big Four, because we're not counting the Big 12, because they're not going to have 12 soon. And since you took Oklahoma and Texas, they don't merit involvement. Certainly not until, until they go out and poach a couple more teams. So we're not going to allow them in this little gathering of ours, this little uh, triumvirate of handshakes and high fives and press conferences, which really, like I said, in the big picture of things, means nothing to me in terms of the future of college football. The future of college football is plain and simple. When will the playoffs expand? And how many teams is the SEC willing to cap its league at, its conference at? Have they got a number in mind where they will stop and leave the rest of the college football world alone? When is enough is enough? When does the number become untenable? And when do they eat the, wind up eating their own young because they will have so many good teams that they will really wind up pitting themselves against each other and teams will play themselves out of a potential 12-team playoff because they're losing too many games in the Super Conference, which really I think is the big scheme of things anyway. So it was great for publicity. It was great for a downtime, so to speak, uh, in, in the the sports landscape with no playoffs going on. And as we prepare a few weeks away from the NFL season and a week away from the start of the college football season. But to me, it has no great impact on how I'm going to view college football, how I'm going to root for college football and how I'm going to watch college. Football. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. It was also silly to downplay that the decision was made or this Zoom meeting was put together and this alliance was formed, not because of what the SEC did. Oh, no, we just came upon this naturally. Please, please. It's in direct response. To what the SEC did. Don't insult us. You could say it. It's not, it's not a problem. Don't, Everybody don't, in the room knows that's the case. I mean, fine. It's fine. Tell us. I mean, they basically sat there and in a strongly worded facial expression to the screen, we're saying, fuck you, SEC. We don't want to be taken advantage of. And that's completely fine. You could say something along the lines that, though. You don't have to pretend that this all just happened to come about. Come on. I don't like what the SEC did to begin with because I like Big 12 football. I love watching Oklahoma play. The way Oklahoma's evolved over the years from the old report, Barry Switzer, the wishbone, throw the ball four times a game to a scenario now where 
they're competing for national championships, at least by being in the playoff or right in the hunt for a playoff spot where they're throwing it, you know, 50 times a game and wide open. Still got the same kind of athletes, uh, but now they're throwing the ball to them instead. And they still run it. Uh, and, and they run it well. They have one of the most varied offenses in the country year after year after the Lincoln Riley. And they're a blast to watch. They're probably the most fun offense in the country to watch uh, because they have skill all over the field. And wide receiver, tight end, running back, a quarterback always. Brilliantly coached from an offensive scheme. We'll see how their defense is this year. Their defense was much improved last year under their new coordinator. We'll see if it carries over this year. They've got Spencer Rattler, who is a Heisman candidate, and I'm sure he's going to have a huge year. So uh, I am uh, I'm looking at Oklahoma very closely. Texas, to me, is always disappointing. They're always picked to be you know, a contender, and to me, they always wind up being a pretender. Those are the two teams that we're going to be watching very closely in what's left of their Big 12 uh, participation for the next couple of years. And I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma was out with a bang in the next couple of years. I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma was a playoff team this year. And I think it will be a shame for the Big 12 that they're going to lose you know, their two jewels of their conference because you know, this is a conference that used to be the Big 8 that when the Southwest Conference dissolved, was absorbed, a chunk of it was absorbed you know, by the Big 8 and became the Big 12. And the Big 12 has been you know, a really good conference. I know defensively it gets made fun of, but man, they put a lot of guys into the NFL. They are fun to watch. They got a lot of wonderful athletes. And this punch in the gut for the conference to me, i sorry, the old report, old school, get off my lawn. I don't like it for this sport. I simply don't. I don't like it for the competition uh, between the conferences or lack thereof. I don't like it by turning the SEC into even more of a monster. And I don't like, for lack of a better term, uh, the lack of conference loyalty by Oklahoma and Texas. For a few million bucks. And obviously, it's always about the money. But these aren't massive amounts of money. It's a few million bucks. And these are already programs that have an embarrassment of riches. We know Texas is one of the most diversified and lucrative college sports programs in the entire country. And Oklahoma, although behind, isn't that far behind because they are terrific in in all the sports and compete in all the sports and are successful in all the sports. And uh, I just, uh, I was against it when it was announced and nothing's going to change my mind. I try to be open-minded about it, but I don't see in the overall picture of things, how this benefits college sports in general, obviously, especially college football. No. And obviously you would hope that this type of alliance with three commissioners, two new ones to the ACC and the Pac-12 with Kevin Warren on the Big Ten. You like to see something like that. You hope a handshake is all it takes for everybody to have some sense and to move not just football forward, all their sports forward, all their classes forward, all the social justice movements forward. 
the pandemic forward, everything we've been dealing with in just this small sample size the last couple of years. Keep another that train odd moving number, forward. Though. Another odd number. Three. I like even numbers. Four. Yeah. Four. What happened in the there's Big 12? Four, there's, five, there's five major conferences. One. Well, at least four. Why are we only doing three? Why are we only doing three? Have we gotten an explanation? I haven't seen one. Do we, did we heard anything? All three phones had missed calls from the AAC. Didn't pick up. I don't know why. Not quite sure why. Maybe they couldn't get in person for this handshake, look in the eye agreement. Can only do it by, via Zoom. Not enough. Not exactly like the Pac-12 has been a regular participant in the playoff. Yes, Clemson has. Yes, Ohio State has. But nobody else from those conferences has exactly been juggernauts. You know, the SEC, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Texas A&M. Who has been a team from any of the other three that you said, they got a shot, they got a shot, playoffs? Oh, Wisconsin, until it's, you know, an important game and they lose 54 to three. Miami, until it's an important game and they lose, you know, 47 to 10. USC, I love them, but no. Utah, until they play anybody who's any good, but it's 20 to nothing. Can't score. Oh, Washington. Yeah, let's put them in there one year. What was that score against Alabama? 97 to 3. Stop it. Stop it. You're no better than the Big 12. You're no better than the Big 12, you other three. What's the deal? If you want to defend, well, you need to get everybody together. You need to mount your strongest defense. That's what you do. Don't divide up against each other. Now you've created another problem. You've taken the remaining four and said, okay, well, well three of us will get together. And, uh, you know, not only fuck you, SEC, but uh, same to you, Big 12, soon to be two less. Yeah. Go fuck yourselves. Yeah, good enough for us. Don't get it. You'll figure it out. Continued ruination of the college sports world by those in power for greed, single-minded selfishness, and all about the almighty dollar and refusal to understand that spreading the wealth is best for all, for all. Follow the king. In the same sport, since football drives everything, follow the National Football League. Why are they the king? Because they share the wealth. Because Tampa just won a Super Bowl. Because the Niners went from being in a Super Bowl to being awful to now being a team that people think has a chance to go to the Super Bowl again. Nowhere... In all the professional sports is the possibility of winning so quickly a possibility as it is in the NFL. Why? Well, they schedule you that way. You do really well. Your schedule gets tough. Do really lousy. Your schedule gets easy. If you suck, you get top draft picks. And if you draft well, you've got a chance. And if you suck, there's a salary cap. And it's a hard salary cap. So you've got to spend the same amount of money as everybody else. 
And if you can bring in the right players and draft properly and build, you can become good and you can become good quickly, but you got to be smart. You got to be smart. But unlike the other sports and college football and college sports in general, it is not a question of the rich get richer. It is a question of who's smartest, who drafts the best, who's got the best player development, and as always, luck, scheduling, etc. Not just, hey, let's all just get bigger. Can't do it in the National Football League. And that's why it's the most successful league and sport in the lower 48 in Alaska and Hawaii, wherever you look, wherever you go, why everybody's going nuts in the preseason over quarterback, not controversies, but quarterback competitions, why we're all hot and bothered about, is Cam Newton lost his job because he had to take time away from the team because he refused to give the vaccine and went to go get tested, and now he's got to be isolated away from the team, and young Mr. Jones is ripping it up, and all of a sudden, you know, Bill Belichick's high-fiving him after practice, which never happens. So does that mean Cam lost the job? That's what we're talking about. Why are we talking about it? Because you always talk, have you said, as you said, about the National Football League. Why do you always talk? Because everybody's got a chance. Everybody's always got a chance. And if you don't have a chance this year, you'll have a chance next year or the year after that, because you can't be outspent. And if you can't be outspent, it's about you. So if you hire the right people, you all got the same amount of money to work with, you shot. Can't say that about the other sports. Can't say it. It's not about climates. It's not about, you know, well, it's warmer there, it's colder there. You know, fan, fans go everywhere. For the most part, you're playing a full house pretty much everywhere. Some cities still not filling it up. Jacksonville issues. But oh, yeah, they got the number one pick of the draft. They get it. Pete Rozelle got it. They haven't broken that. They've only built upon it. Once they got free agency, they put in a hard cap. When you have that, along with the revenue share, Anybody can win. Anybody can be great. May not be for an extended period of time because of free agency, it's hard to keep your players in any sport, but especially in football because the life of the player is so short and you simply can't afford massive salaries for a number of players and keep everybody under a hard cap system. So that allows for diversity. In the National Football League, the SEC can't win every year. Hope springs eternal every NFL season, especially now. We're right in the heart of it. Last week of the preseason's coming. Everybody thinks they got a chance to win the Super Bowl. Now, some of that is just nonsense, but that's what fandom is. Being a fanatic about your team. Everybody is O and O, as we like to say in NEPA. You don't get that in college football because you can count who has gotten to the national championship game on one hand 
and then if you have a little growth on the side of it. Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Georgia, Oregon. That's the list, folks. Three of those seven games have actually been close. The other two from the three in a row that we've had to deal with have been blowouts. Clemson blew out Alabama. LSU blew out Clemson. Alabama blew out Ohio State. That's your championship game. Two best teams in the country. Blowouts. Now, people are hopeful that this expansion of the playoffs will save that. Because what we have in college football, what the fans of the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC had watching their three commissioners talk about the future, is hope. Not internal hope like in the National Football League, but you just have to grasp at it and hope. And then you had the president of West Virginia, Gordon G. GG, as we call him on the show, talk about him all the time. G squared. He believes the college football playoff expansion is, quote, on life support. He won't be voting in favor of the 12-team model when the CFP board meets next month. He doesn't think Pac-12 is on board. He doesn't think ACC is on board. He's not sure, or Big Ten, I should say. He's not sure they'll vote for it, Big Ten and Pac-12, and doesn't think that this expansion thing is going to come in four or five years' time. Everything happened this past year so quickly in college football after nothing had seemingly happened for so long. It's been a tornado to try to just keep up with it all. Now, do you know, because I don't know the answer to this, how many votes are involved. It can't, it's, not, it's, it's not just the conference commissioners from the Big Five or the ADs from the Big Five. How many are involved? How many votes are there? And what is the requirement for there to be a change? Is it a super majority? Is it 75%? Is it the ADs, the college presidents? Is it the ADs, the college presidents? Uh, I'm sure the coaches don't have a vote. And of, of what schools? Every member school, is there, is it a committee? I don't know the answer to that. So on the college football playoff board of managers, which will meet September 28th to discuss the proposal further, board of there managers. is 11 presidents and chancellors who serve on the board and have ultimate authority over the format. This of Andrew Adelson's latest. 11, 11. 11. Now, so he said number, of course. he believes it, quote, nearly needs to be unanimous. So, what, six, five, who, does who, that? Whose quote is this? This was GG, G squared. He says it needs to be nearly unanimous. He said, I have one of the votes, and I think it nearly needs to be unanimous, and I'm not voting for it. I think the Big well, Ten will not vote for what, it. And is nearly eight to three. Is nearly nine to two, is nearly ten to one. We know unanimous is eleven to nine. Eleven to zero. What's nearly? Almost close. Yeah, what What's is the near? over under eight three probably for nearly unanimous? Eight and a half. Nine two to me is nearly unanimous. Yeah, I would say that too. Eight three seems like too much. Too many knows. So I assume G squared is on the board of managers. He is indeed 
on this college football board of managers. And he okay. has said he is voting no, and he has heard the Big Ten and the Pac-12 will probably not vote for it either. Now, what that means, if this nearly unanimity doesn't happen, does it just get tabled? Do they put it off for a year? I don't know the answer to. Well, I'm sure it will be. This. I'm sure it will be put off for a, you know, a limited amount of time and they will revisit because there will be a continuing cry for change if the playoff format brings us the same results. They may want to kick the can down the road and see if it's yet again Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama and Notre Dame, Oklahoma, whomever the fourth is that is not quite on the level of the big three uh, and will probably not be competitive in their first round game, although you never know. But the point is they may be just looking to extend the status quo to see if they get a break in what you've talked about being non-competitive championship games and us seeing basically at least three of the same four teams every year. If they get some diversity, they survive as is. If this happens for another year or two, they will have to make a change. We'll see. It's just been an inconceivable whirlwind for all the different things that have been either already passed or put on the table to be passed in college football and college sports in general. After there being so much discussion about what needs to change? Pay the athletes. Fix the social justice. And then we blinked, and it was like, all right, let's do all of it. We're going to move these two teams out of the Big 12. You want 12 teams in the college football playoff? Great. Now we're going to make the SEC this. We'll put an alliance over here for the three other ones. Big 12, good luck. Jesus, man. Pay the players. How's that going to work? The winds have changed. Who more against change than the old report? And if you're going to change, can we do it a little slower? <laughs> Can we be a little more thoughtful and a little more patient and have a better idea and a better plan of what we're doing? Then can we not throw it out in general and then say, actually, this wouldn't happen for another four years? Well, what are you talking about it now for? Figure it out first before you put it into put a plan together. Don't tell us about possibilities. Don't tell us about potential. Don't be, don't be politicians. Do your job. Get in the room. Put your plan together. Work on it. Finalize it ultimately after you share ideas and you, know, you share various uh, problems and resolutions. And once you've got that, then you come to us with your plan of what it's going to be in two years. Have your plan finalized so it go into effect in two years. Don't tell us about a pie in the sky four years down the line. Give us concrete finalized terms and plans that we can count on happening so we can plan. So we can get ready. So we can finish up this cycle and know what we're going to have for the remainder of this time frame 
until we go into your next cycle. And we can be prepared for that, enjoy this, knowing it's coming to an end and what the future brings. Instead, you just throw a pile of shit up against the wall, tell us to look at it and make a picture out of it. Four years down the line. To me, that's not planning. Now for you degenerates, my hand raised a little bit when I said that. Week zero does start this upcoming Saturday, August 28th. You're not going to find a lot of sit-on-the-edge-of-your-seat football games, but I don't think degenerates really care about that. Football is football. So you'll get Nebraska-Illinois at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fox. The greatest travesty of the day is that Hawaii is playing at UCLA, and that's not at least a Pac-12 after dark game. 3.30 Eastern time? What are you, out of your minds? There's five other games that we're going to be betting on, and we're going to lose all the bets because we don't know anything about San Jose State and UTEP. You can't throw that game on at 1030 Eastern. Hell, throw it on, have the game switched and have it played in Hawaii. Give us that five extra hours over on the East Coast. I'm trying to watch some football after midnight, folks. I don't want it to be Southern Utah at San Jose State, 10 p.m. Eastern time. CBS Sports Network, get lost. Where's my Pac-12 after dark so I can try to win back all the bets I lost? I think you need to be focused in on the uh, Scott Frost, uh, newly minted Illinois coach, Brett. I can never pronounce his last name right. Yeah, we have nicknames on our show. G big Brett, GG, Big Brett, Big Cube, Big Cube, Big Brett, who was a, a coaching star at Wisconsin. I thought a star in the making, solid program, successful year after year. Yes, fine Ohio State every year, and you know, ahead of Michigan a lot because Michigan has struggled. Number two in the Big Ten, not an awful thing. And then he decides to, I guess, got a big raise. Did Arkansas throw him a boatload of money? Was that the deal? You know, to go to the SEC and be the weakest sister in the SEC and get pounded and embarrassed week after week after week after week. And Brett went from, you know, the tractor trail style of football, which they played in Wisconsin, with them big old offensive linemen ramming it down your throat, which is great. Three years in a cloud of dust. Woody Hayes, Ohio State, Bo Schembechler, Ron Dane. Wisconsin football Woo. between the tackles. Let me go to Arkansas. Yikes. You know, I mean, sometimes I just don't understand what these coaches are thinking. I just, uh, you know, look, is Wisconsin the most exciting place in the country? But I hear Madison, I've never been there, is the largest, one of the largest campuses, one of the wildest, most fun campuses in the country. And I'm going to Fayetteville? Fayetteville? No disrespect to Franklin Broyles. No disrespect to, to the Hawks. Sui. I love the hats. But you were in good shape there in Wisconsin. Successful, well-paid, fighting for Rose Bowls and for conference titles. What did you actually think you were going to accomplish going to Arkansas? I know coaches always think they're going to be the one. But did you really think you were going to go in there and compete with Alabama and Georgia and LSU and then Texas A&M? Oh, yeah, Florida. What are we thinking? 
What are we thinking? And now you find yourself succeeding who? Former NFL coach, an incredibly unsuccessful college coach, even though they love him. Love E didn't exactly have a stellar record. Great beard, though, the last couple of years. Great beard. At, at Illinois. Should have had it in and, Chicago. It's cold up there. And, and and that's who you follow. And obviously, nowhere to go but up. But you got a major rebuilding job. Back in the conference you were in, that you never should have left. Against, of course, Scott Frost, who was trying to rebuild his alma mater with allegations of impropriety facing his program. So that's your opener. There it is. Y'all learned something for week zero. And we'll save our NFL jurisdictions and summaries and predictions for next week's show. I know it's going to pain everyone, but we'll get to it. All your little quarterback competitions will come to an end. We'll know who's starting and who will do what. And we'll make terrible predictions and fools of ourselves and lose a lot of money doing it. So look forward to that. I am. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. So we shift to MLB, and the question now has become, will your team, who is once again the evil empire, with a lineup that rivals you know, an offensive line of the 60s, the 70s of their size, are they going to lose a game? Let's just say they go to Oakland now after sweeping the Braves, two teams on 11 game winning streaks for the first time in over a hundred years. Will they lose this? I'll just say, will they lose this month? Will the Yankees lose another game, lose a game, not another game, lose a game before the month is out. Now they very well might lose the opener against the Oakland Hayes. The way things are going with their bullpen and sometimes starting rotation. No game is safe, Al. There's not one blowout, shut it off in the fifth. You thought maybe you could do that tonight, the first game of the series as we're recording this. Six nothing Yankees right out of the gate. It's now six two. Oakland has the bases loaded. This is how they do things. There's no Wow, it's 12 nothing. What a great blowout win this will be. Rust the bullpen. Nope. Everything comes down to the last couple innings. Closers can't close. One of them told Aaron Boone, I can't be your closer anymore. Now he's on the DL, IL, sorry. Chapman's lost his fastball, which is all he has. He's up there throwing sliders like he's out back playing wiffle ball, just spinning it, hoping for the best. It's just going to be like a, a fireman's drill every time that there's a game that needs to be closed. Who's going to do it tonight? You'd like to have a little bit more clarity and be able to relax in these late innings, but for whatever reason, they keep fucking winning them, man, and I don't have an answer for you as to why it's happening. The record of them in one-run games or take-lead games late, it's leading the MLB all across the board what they've been able to do. And the funny part of it is they still can't catch the Tampa Bay Rays who are just doing their thing. We talk about it on the show all the time. 
They're just playing Tampa Bay Rays baseball. And they're fine with it. 11-game winning streak, and you make up what, two games, give or take. So now it just becomes hold off these wildcard teams. Root for the damn Orioles to beat up against the other teams in the AL East. They've got a four-game lead over the other wildcard teams. And they're four games back with you know a month and change. So Tampa is catchable. Tampa went through a scheme earlier in the year. Will they go through one more? Yankee schedule, pretty friendly. Uh, Yankee pitching, extraordinarily good. Yankee bats, as far as the eye could see. So it's very difficult to think that they won't be, worst case scenario, the number one wild card, which puts them in a one-game playoff with Garrett Cole on the mound. Win the division. So you're going to throw Garrett Cole in a one-game playoff against Chris Sale or whoever it is Oakland might throw. And where the goal for the Dodgers is to somehow catch the Giants, who never lose. As the old report, how'd you do in the 16-inning marathon between Fell asleep. The- <laughs> Fell asleep. Fell asleep. <laughs> Fell asleep. Didn't make it past the 12th. When I finally checked after they did a little pomp and circumstance last weekend, it was 4 a.m. basically. 16 innings. For those of you degenerates that had the under of 8, Al. Eight. It was one one in the fifteenth. Five three final was a push. Can That's why you they call it imagine, Can you imagine staying awake for that for whatever reason? There's no way that's gonna happen. One one. Forget about no no no. Forget about staying awake for that. Going to bed with the under. Imagine waking up to that the only solace is it was a push so at least you got your money back but that's a loss that's a loss incredible close to 50 players played in that damn game and of course as things have gone dodgers win padres lose yeah if you took the run line no sweat dodgers win by two never a doubt catacord what a stupid (laughs) sport and we have to close and say for the other New York team, is this ding dong? The Mets are officially dead after this oh. just massacre <laughs> against the Giants and Dodgers. Whoever two and eleven, out, folks. My goodness, a murderous, murderous thirteen games, two and eleven. Uh, what can you say? I mean, didn't score for most of it. Lost a bundle of one-run games. And as a result, uh, you can stick a fork in the Mets. They are long since done. Uh, Miracle of miracles. I mean, the Braves now have the tough part of their schedule. They have to pay the Giants. They have to play the Dodgers on the road. And the Mets get the friendly part of that schedule. But you you have to have a total and complete 180. Do you see the Braves, who are really good offensively, losing a bunch of games in a row. More importantly, do you see the Mets winning a bunch of games in a row? So the Mets have to start winning some games. They weren't playing well before they took on these two juggernauts from the West. They just, like my Cardinals, and that's the only mention we're going to make of the Cardinals, who's seven runs tonight lost, blowing a 7-1 lead, uh, giving up 10 straight runs. They just don't hit. They just don't hit. They traded for the wrong guy. 
as much as you love Javi Baez, uh, spectacular play. Bryant was the guy they needed. It's the guy they should have traded for. They didn't need another middle infielder. They needed Chris Bryant. They should make the move in the offseason to sign Chris Bryant. And Chris Bryant has been terrific for the Giants. It just made them that much better. Giants lead the major leagues in home runs. They've got one guy with 20. Amazing. Stunning. Hard to believe. It really is. Every time you turn around. I mean, the Dodgers just the Giants invent gays in, in, invent new ways to win. You know, two in the top of the ninth, three in the bottom of the ninth, pinch hit home run. The next night, the guy who got the pinch hit home run gets pinch hit four, and that guy gets a you know hits a home run. It's amazing. I thought Gabe Kapler was an idiot. How dumb do I look? The Mets beat the Nationals on August 11th and then swept a doubleheader the following day on Thursday. Since then, they've had basically the completely opposite of luck that the other New York team has had when it comes to close games. The Dodgers series, first off, 6-5 loss, 2-1 loss. They scored four runs on August 15th. They lost 14-4. They scored five runs in the first game against the Giants. They lost 7-5. Then 3-2, 6-2, they won. Sweet Mary, Mother of Jesus, in extra innings, by the way. Swept by the Dodgers, 4-1, 3-2, 4-3. Beat them in the last game. Then the Giants, 8-0, 3-2, 3-2. I mean, you could bring back Syndergaard. You could bring one, back one, DeGrom one, for whatever one, one run win. that with. One, one run You're win. not scoring runs. It doesn't matter who your pitcher is. What are you going to waste their time for if you're scoring two runs a night? That's exactly right. That's exactly Double right. Double wrap DeGrom. Put them in the safe. Shut down that narrative as you perfectly hit on months ago about how he can't stay healthy. So this nonsense about where his historical seasons, his historical run is in lore of other historical seasons can't be put there because he didn't pitch half the year. It's not even a discussion. But for the general manager to come out and say whether we're in it or not, if he's healthy, when the time comes, he'll pitch. Why? Why? I can understand Syndergaard because he needs to pitch. He hasn't pitched at all. He can use the work, and if he's healthy, you want to get him out there and get him some work. Two innings, three innings, can you stretch him out there? Time will tell. There's not a lot of time left, but you want to get him work. Put the bubble wrap about uh, around. Find out what's the matter with the ground. What's the problem? We still don't know what the problem is. What's causing it? Having him pitch cannot possibly help. It can only exacerbate whatever it is that we don't know has caused all this. And what it is, let it heal. Let it heal for the rest of the season. Let it heal for the off season. I want a complete, total, clean bill of health. What's wrong? I want the answer. Not to be, we don't know. Nothing. Nothing. I want, he's 100% healthy. I don't want to feel great. So I don't care how he feels. I want to know that he's 100% healthy. Because he'll always tell you he feels great. Because guys want to pitch. He's a competitor. He wants to pitch. Get him healthy. 
get him right so next year he can pitch for a full season to a tune of a two and a half ERA and 180 innings, which is just fine. But he needs to pitch. I know you missed this on the old Twitter machine as the old report, but August 18th at about 9.13 in the morning, which means Steve Cohen woke up from the Mets losing 3-2 to the Giants after they lost it late. Went to bed, the game in doubt, but hopeful. Saw what happened and tweeted, it's hard to understand how professional hitters can be this unproductive. The best teams have a more disciplined approach. The slugging and OPS numbers don't lie. Now, maybe that fired them up for 12 hours because that's when they went out and won 6-2 in extras. But imagine the first thing you're doing, waking up, probably set the alarm for 9, went and did his thing in the bathroom, brushed his teeth, maybe took a shower, maybe sitting on the bowl, goes on to see if they won or not, gets the notifications, gets the scorecards, sees what happened, and then you fire that tweet up at 9.13 in the morning, ripping your team. And then nothing on Twitter until tonight, when an hour when an hour ago from where we're recording, he said, "Quote: Let's win this game, comma, come on." They did not. <laughs> oh man, it was going good for the Mets fans for a while there, Alan. We're back to and remember reality. You gave your shortstop a three hundred and forty million dollar contract. $340 million without seeing what he could do in New York. Ooh. A player who I love, a player who I thought was a top five player in baseball to be your superstar. And this year has been abysmal. 220 hitting shortstop. Better bounce back. You've made him the centerpiece of your franchise. And you don't get to opt out. Football fans, nobody circles the wagons quite like you. That'll be all of next week. Strap in. Al, it's always a pleasure. And the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that. For my partner, Al, for my planes, a.k.a. Al Renato. Until next week, when it will be all football, wall to wall, for the greatest sportcast, sports podcast on the planet. New report, old report. Have a great sports weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>